The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hey, this is Alexis Haynes, and welcome to Recovering from Reality, where I illuminate the messy and magical path of coming home to yourself. Whether you're on the road to recovery, seeking self-care techniques for surviving the capitalist machine, or just need a moment to remember that you're not alone in your loneliness, we're serving up the ultimate truth. Your challenges don't define you. How you deal with them does. So, are you ready to recover from reality? So much is happening in real time. And it's really important with for oneself to, to run through a body check, which is what I call it in practical intuition. You know, what am I thinking, feeling, seeing, experiencing, knowing, and how do I shift that? You know, just looking at a different part of the room shifts your attention and, and what you're receiving. And how do I shift that? And, and just in shifting that, you empower yourself. And all of a sudden, who's in you? Who's yelling at you? What's coming up that you can prepare for so you don't have to deal with it? All of that, all of a sudden has context because I do think that ease and joy is something that should always be a target. That was a quick clip from this week's episode with Laura Day. Did you all know that each one of you is really, truly intuitive and that that intuition can actually be harnessed and help you see things more clearly, right? It can help guide you in your life. And I think it's interesting because Laura, Laura is, she's a best-selling author. She spent three decades helping individuals, organizations, and companies use their innate intuitive abilities to create these profound changes in their lives and in their work. And her work has helped to kind of demystify intuition and demonstrates its practical, verifiable uses in the fields of business and personal development. And some would call this psychic abilities. And Laura says, well, yes, but for some reason, people tend to vibe more easily with the word intuition than being a psychic. So we all have the ability to tap into our inner knowing, right? To amplify our senses, to be able to read the energy of a person or a room that you're in. We all have this capability to trust our gut, that intuition to know, oh, does this feel right or not? And that's why I love this week's episode. Laura is talking about her career path and how she got here. She's talking about navigating being an empath and coping with painful challenges. She's talking about generational addiction and suicidal tendencies, which actually runs rampant in her family. She talks about utilizing intuition as a tool to navigate the world and the importance of sitting in your discomfort. That seems to be a theme here in Recovering from Reality, if you guys haven't picked up on that yet. We talk about the measurable benefits of spiritual and energetic healing and relying on intuition over objective research. And I know that that sounds controversial, but hear us out before you pass a judgment. As we're going into this holiday season in a pandemic, I just want to extend so much love to you guys. I know that this year has been really challenging and I am so proud of the community as a whole for doing the work, for showing up every week, for listening every week, the thousands upon thousands of you guys who are listening, who are sharing, who are observing their negative patterns who are enrolled in the life reset course or another course who are taking the time to read, to explore, to examine their minds. We're coming up on a huge shift energetically on this planet next month. And I hope that you guys will join me in making sure that we're taking the best care of ourselves possible. So I'd love to hear 
on the, um, or in rather the RFR Facebook group, what y'all are doing to better your lives. And if you're not a part of that group, I highly suggest it. Um, We're about 500 members strong and it is just such a great community and it's growing all the time. We might be well over 500 by this episode, actually. Let me think of any other announcements. I can't think of any. I love you guys. We've got some great guests coming up and I hope that you guys have an awesome week. So with that, here is Laura Day. This episode was sponsored by Nourish by Nature Made, the number one pharmacist recommended vitamin and supplement brand. Nourish offers a monthly subscription service that is both convenient and customizable to make sure that you are getting proper vitamin intake. Backed by 45 years of science, Nourish removes the guesswork from you trying to figure out what supplements are right for you. Nourish packages are personalized and delivered right to your door. Their convenient subscription service can be adjusted, paused, or canceled at any time. Packs are customized to your needs and are affordable. On average, it costs less than $2 a day to get your Nourish vitamin intake. Visit Nourish.com to take their five-minute assessment and receive a supplement recommendation tailored specifically to you. Hey everybody, Gabby Reese here. Please join me for my show where we're going to be talking about all things self-care. And I don't mean just eating and exercise. I'm talking stress, marriage, relationships, parenting, business, transitions. How do we figure out a way to be our best selves each and every day? So whether you're listening on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen, please join me. If you'd like, rate, subscribe, and leave us a review. If you want to see some of the behind the scenes action, just follow me at Gabby Reese. And remember, don't miss new episodes every Monday. So I'm excited to have you on. I get so many requests, Laura, for people to come on the podcast that are experts in many fields. But I watched an interview with you that you did on the internet that I thought that was really, really cool. And you were talking about how everybody has the ability to become intuitive aka psychic because technically they're the same thing that's so true nice that you know that well you I knew it because that's been my experience but I like the way that you put it you had said in this interview that the reason you use the word intuitive is because you came from a family of doctors and had you not they would have thought you were crazy (laughs) I think they probably think I'm crazy anyway but there's so much research and actually 40 years ago, I started as a test subject. So I didn't come from intuition, from spirituality, uh, or from any of those beliefs that were prevalent in the 60s. Back in the early 80s, the military and universities were really interested in the extended capacities of the human mind, mostly for evil, not good. But, um, and I just fell in, and of course we know there are no coincidences, so synchronistically, I ended up being a, 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 the subject of some studies. And that was really how I came to intuition because I didn't have a pony in the race. So when they said, well, can you tell the future of this particular thing, or can you find a an antiquity underground in Rome, or can you? I say, well, gee, I don't know, but I'm happy to try. So I ended up really um, coming from science, and it explained a lot of my porosity because I did it. I, I was so able to do it, and that's really a function of a damaged brain. But I came to it from really from science. And then, of course, I discovered, you know, I taught with Wayne Dyer and Deepak Chopra, and I discovered all of this, this other part of, of intuition. But that's really, it's not my bent. And actually, it's not what I do for a living. I mean, what I do for a living, everyone says, oh, it's not very spiritual. But what I do for a living is I predict the future for Fortune 500 companies. And I've had the same companies for 30 years, more or less. What I do for my joy and for my participation in the world is I teach. And I really love teaching. Um, It is my positive addiction. You know, it is the thing that gives me 
gives me a real sense of purpose. And as you may have seen the studies on purpose, if you have purpose in life, it is a better indicator of longevity than weight or quitting smoking or exercise, that just that sense of purpose, which I think we all lose so easily because we're all told so often by the media, by each other, that we're not good enough instead of, hey, you're doing a really hard job, you're doing great. So I love teaching intuition because it's something we all have. It's easy to ignite in people. And then when you apply it and when you learn to block it off, because that's a biggie, but when you learn to apply it and filter it, it is, it is life-changing. Yeah. Did you know many intuitives, myself included, had begun this um, ability to see things coming or to know people that they've never met before and things like that as a child? I did, but suicide is the only cause of death before 100 in my family. So it tells you the stability barometer of my family. I've had a mother who suicided, two siblings who suicided recently. So, you know, it, it, I did experience the world differently, but then again, you also had to remind my mother to put on clothes when guests were there. So it was a little, you know, it got, it got mixed up in kind of the crazy of my life. And what was so wonderful and synchronistic and life-saving for me was that I am just this very kind of plain, practical person. And I was also the oldest child. So I needed to engage intuition in very practical ways very, very early. And the first way I engaged it, although I didn't realize it was different than what anyone else was doing, was I would predict my mother's suicide attempts and call help in time because we lived in a separate, literally a separate nursery apartment with no adults. It was a little Lord of the Flies. And um, I did experience deeply people's emotions. I I experienced the future, which was disturbing, but I didn't realize that I was any different until I got into this university-based program where I was a test subject and they were like, wow. And I'm thinking, oh, I'm glad this is a wow and not an occasion for better meds. Yeah. It's interesting you say that my husband's mom passed away by suicide when he was 14 and he was at a friend's house when it happened. And um, his dad was coming to pick him up from the party and he literally wrote on the ground, my mom just killed herself. Like he knew before they even came to pick him up to tell him that she had died. What a legacy to leave children. I really think the moment I knew, because, you know, I come from a family where suicide is kind of the normal thing to do when things go wrong. And, and with a family of a lot of trauma and addiction and all kinds of, you know, if there's the pathology, we have it. I don't know of any murderers, but I'm sure if I dug deep enough, I'd find them. And I really, before I got pregnant, I thought, okay, this is not an out anymore. The minute I have a child, that is not a legacy you're allowed to leave. Doesn't matter if every day is boiling in oil. So, I mean, it's, it's, I have such a weird relationship to suicide because on one hand, I think, I think assisted suicide should be something that mm -hmm. that's legal. I think that there's an odd way we glorify suicide in a way we shouldn't. And I think that there should be better suicide prevention. However, suicide is not a victimless crime. The victims are the people who are left behind. And I have nieces and nephews and myself and your, your partner, you know, they carry that legacy. So that was a big decision for me. I thought no matter how bad things get, I actually need to, once I have a child, and I have a 28-year-old now, um, but I, once I have a child, I, I need to, I need to, you know, I'm in for the long haul. Yeah. It's interesting because as someone who owns a drug treatment center, who's been around thousands and thousands of addicts over the last decade of my sobriety, and I have, you know, a family myself filled with addicts and alcoholics. Um, I used to say that it's because we're so sensitive and we don't know how to deal with this world. And it's interesting because lately online, specifically apps like TikTok, 
everyone's like, I'm an empath. No, I'm an empath. I'm an empath. And I'm like, you guys don't realize that we're all empaths. What right. I realize is that all of us are super sensitive and many of us don't have the coping skills or resiliency to deal with that. So we turn to drugs, alcohol, or methods like suicide in order to cope with our personal pain when we don't have the tools anymore. And I know for me personally, I dealt with that with drugs and alcohol as a means to escape. And in my sobriety, I have had many moments where I wanted to give up. And one specific moment where I was like, this is it, I'm going to kill myself. And that's not an easy decision to come by. And I certainly don't see it as like a selfish one. However, I, I agree. I think that there needs to be more support for people like that. I also think though, that there are different reasons for addiction. I mean, part of it is just the way someone's brain is structured because I've made to be an addict, but I'm not just by miracle of birth by genetics. I, I got that side of the gene pool. I think that often addiction is a real genuine effort to medicate pain in a positive way and then it gets it's it's out of hand. I think there are better ways, obviously. I think I think suicide sometimes is desperation. Suicide can be rage. Suicide can be, you know, a lot of different things. But one of the things that I think uh, a place that I think we're probably very sure to agree on is that it does take a lot of courage to be alive. And you have to remind yourself and only allow people in, you, in your circle who remind you that this moment is a moment you can start again. And that's what I love about intuition is that intuition, even when you're palm slime down and out, Intuition can bring in that one person, that one awareness, that one thing, that one move, that if you just put one foot in front of the other, you can get through. But I think we do minimize how much it takes to get through, even in the most perfect life. I mean, I, I consider myself someone who has, at this point, at 61 years old, a really perfect life. But still, you know, not just because of history, life itself, if you're doing it right, throws a hell of a lot of curveballs. And you need to be able to find the ability to be deft and flexible with them. But you also need to cultivate the self-respect and be really strict with your boundaries, but with people who don't, to say, hey, even if everyone else thinks your life is perfect, you are doing a hard job. Because being alive is a hard job. In the best of moments, it's a hard job. Today's episode was brought to you by Osea Malibu, the original plant-based results-driven skincare line. Osea puts your health and the health of our planet first with their potent skincare and body care solutions that are pure, safe, and effective. Their skin nourishing products are made entirely out of plant-derived ingredients and are non-toxic and a good choice for moms-to-be. Osea stands for the elements of wellness, ocean, sun, earth, and atmosphere. Their entire line is built on these four pillars and pulls from botanical sources around the world to create products that are truly effective. Each product is infused with sustainably sourced organic Patagonian seaweed and active botanicals that create a nutrient and mineral rich bioavailable base. Founded and run by a family of women inspired by the sea, Osea formulates botanical powered products that have shown proven results for all skin concerns. Y'all know that I'm a huge fan of this line. I've been using it for years. Recently, I've been using their Vegas Nerve Pillow Mist and my room literally smells like a spa when I go to bed. I'm a huge fan of this entire line. I use their Undaria Argan Oil. I love their Blemish Balm, all of their toners. The entire line is amazing. Right now, you can go to ocmalibu.com forward slash Alexis Haynes for $10 off your first purchase of $50 or more. Free shipping for U.S. orders over $75 and free samples with every order. That is oseamalibu.com forward slash Alexis Haynes for $10 off your first purchase of $50 or more. 
Yeah, I just want to clarify something that you had said earlier, just because I think it's really important that people understand this. While there isn't an addiction gene, there are epigenetics, right? And epigenetics are things like our susceptibility to super sensitive, highly emotional, to depression, to anxiety, to things like that. So I just want people to really understand that, like, because we talk about this a lot, especially because my kids have two parents that are addicts. I had one parent that was an addict. My husband had one parent that was an addict. And so it's just important for people to understand that and to know that in this day and age, the vast majority of people are addicted to something in order to cope, which is why I think what you're doing with teaching people how to cultivate their intuition is interesting because it's actually a tool that you can put in your toolbox as a way to make you more resilient. In this day and age, we see people escaping through social media, through sex, through drugs, through working out, through work, through shopping, through gambling, through all of these different things. You just named all my favorite things. I know, right? So, but, you know, we see this and we see it in the news. It's interesting when the pandemic hit in that first month, benzo prescription filling went up in the United States by 40%. Okay, that just shows you how little resilience we really have as, you know, as a human population, we don't have the tools that we need. And so I like that you talk about using intuition, building your intuition as a tool in your toolbox to help you get through this crazy world. So what does that look like? Well, you know, people are getting, you're getting intuition all the time, even if you don't believe in intuition. I mean, I train you know, often male heads of companies who don't believe in it, don't believe in intuition. But luckily, intuition is not a belief. It's a tool. The reason that you're not perceiving your intuition is because it gets lost in the whole mess of everything else that's in your head. I mean, we're very complex beings. We live in a lot of time zones, past, present, future, and non-local. So our intuition, our experiences from the outside world and even the future. The first thing that you need to do is to know what your goals or questions are in this moment. I'm not talking about, you know, save humanity. I'm talking about brush my teeth or fall in love or feel better about myself or make enough money to pay the bill. Like you really, once you get those questions or goals out of your messy head and my messy head, our messy head, you have what we call an intuitive training, a target. I really suggest people write them down and not do laundry lists because that's just putting the mess outside of you. The whole idea is you want to create an exoskeleton, a prosthetic exoskeleton to be able to, in a sense, run your life for you, especially when you're not feeling able. So what I ask people to do is, what is your goal right now? And, you know, or limit it to three. What are your goals right now? Immediate goals. And then if you know where, what is your big goal? Because you always, you know, we always try to force ourselves to do things, but intuition is run often, mostly like everything else by the subconscious and forcing yourself doesn't help. What does help is choosing and then discipline. So it's important with intuitive goals that they have energy for you, you know, and that they mean something. People say, oh, I want to be happy. Well, how do you know when you're happy? You know, have a glass of wine, you'll be happy. Is that the kind of happy you want? You know, so really know what your goals are, get them out of your messy mind. And then, and this is just a very simple exercise. I mean, there are all kinds of intuitive training to get really specific data. But then what you'll notice is all of a sudden what you do notice applies to those goals. You evaluate everything in reference to those goals. All of a sudden, you have a sense of something coming up for you that you need to prepare for and that you can easily that addresses those goals. You find yourself preparing for events in advance without even knowing why you're doing it. So the most important thing with intuition is to have your targets or your questions. And then, you know, people confuse intuition with creative visualization. And creativity is a different part of the brain. Creativity is kind of an organizational part of the brain that sources the subconscious and puts stuff together. 
Intuition is a noticing. So if you sit and practice mindfulness, what you'll notice through your simple senses is that other than your direct experience, you'll begin to sense dialogues that you're having with people who aren't there. You will begin to sense something in the future as if it were happening now and what you need to do about it. Because intuition, you know, people get very dramatic about intuition. I'm going to die in a fiery crash. That's rarely intuition. Intuition is something that's actionable and it's accurate. If it's not actionable, you repress it. You don't repress it for someone else, which is the danger of getting a reading, which I'd love to talk to you about. So have your questions and then bring your senses in. You know, we're always so outside of our bodies. People say, I want to learn to remote view. I say remote, you know, or astral project. I say, you're doing it all the time. Learn to be in the room. That's the hard thing, you know? In your shit and be uncomfortable. And Oh, I love that. Sit in your shit and sit in your, in your discomfort and learn to like be with all, I think, the reason why people aren't tapping into their intuition or their psychic capabilities or even to their humanity, if we could start with humanity, then eventually we'd tap into our spirituality and our gifts. But that's for another. No, that's really, that's very intuitive of you because my new book is all about that. About that. Yeah. I think it's so important. I think that right now we're so go, 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 just do what feels good. All us focus on feeling good, feeling good, feeling good. Well, I think feeling good is important. I think that we go, go, go so much that we don't allow ourselves to sit and examine and to be okay with being uncomfortable because what my experience has been is that my pain is my greatest teacher. Right now, I'm in a lot of pain, like a lot of pain, physical pain, emotional pain, don't really know what's going on with me. And I know that by not neglecting that pain, shutting down that pain, escaping from that pain, that there is a purpose for this pain and that it's supposed to teach me something. And every time that I have sat in my shit and been with that pain, I have had the gift of getting closer and closer to my spirituality, my gifts my abilities, my team, I'll call them, of guides that is constantly talking to me these days. <laughs> and, and it's amazing. So yeah, I, I, I think that we, when we do that, we allow these gifts to kind of to grow. I think I, I, I totally agree with you. And I don't think it's just, I love, I love the expression sitting in your shit. We don't sit in our pleasure. I mean, I'll, I'll stuff a chocolate eclair in my mouth, yum, and not even notice I'm doing it because I'm doing it while I'm doing a million other things. I think that we're, in, in a sense, we're not, we're, we've been trained out of being mindful. And, you know, one of the things that I think we don't take into account, which is a, a hidden gift of intuitive training is that we are always experiencing telepathy with people around us, people we will meet, people in our past. We're always experiencing the future. There's actually this really um, interesting experiment that you can see on PubMed. Uh, and there are lots of experiments like this where you know someone who's not trained, their brain, because now we can see what the brain does, their brain reacts to an image that a computer will, in the future, randomly generate. So we know that the brain is precognitive. We know, so it can tell the future. We know that the brain is telepathic. We know that remote viewing is possible. The military dumped loads of money into those experiments during the 70s and 80s. And what, but what we don't know is that can really distress us. I, the, one of the first things that I ask people in crisis to do is notice the conversations they're having in their head. Because often they have no goal, they're over and over. It's like the same fight you have a million times and they're happening in real time. So I ask them to gain mastery of those conversations or cut them off by rerouting them. So it's really important to notice the ways that your perceptions aren't in the present because often what's in the present you actually can handle. And on, on Instagram, one of the things that I love that's happened, especially uh, during the pandemic, 
is novices and students, you know, and professional intuitives and healers are getting together and doing readings for each other. Because often, you know, you are your own hardest read because you don't see what you don't see. And you're your hardest person to heal because, of course, you know, you protect the things that are tender. But if you get somebody else, and especially someone who doesn't have a pony in the race, you know, they're not making $500 for 40 minutes. They're not, they're just there for you. They're in community. It is really amazing the kind of awareness you can get, the kind of energetic support you can get, and the kind of synchronicities. I mean, I loved in the beginning of the pandemic, people on the site, someone would lose their job and the whole group would work on them. You know, a thousand people would work on them and they would get a job offer two days later. That's not magic, that's synchronicity. We have this thing where we think, you know, if we focus hard enough, we'll make it happen. But actually you live what you are so the best way to change is say, okay, what part do I have in this situation? And listen, it's hard to tolerate pain. I am a big one for healthy treatments. You know, um, my healthy treatment is curling up in a ball in my husband's arms. You know, that's one of them. Yoga, with just one yoga class, this wonderful woman in London, Durga, who thank God is doing it in line. You know, yoga for me, just breath can be really healing. Um, teaching or doing a reading for someone else. My husband always says, you know, everyone calls up and says, hi, how are you doing? They really mean, where are my keys or what's going on in my relationship? I mean, I must do 50 of those a day just for friends and family. And it takes me out of my reality and allows me, and it allows my intuition and my subconscious to learn and change. So I really suggest that people do Get uh, input in community, not family, because family often has a pony in the race, even if they love you. Yeah, you can't can't do family. As much as I want to, I tap in. My sister's about to give birth, right? And so I'm obviously like a nervous Nelly. I've got some skin in the game here. I have to realize that I can set an intention and let it go and trust that whatever her birth experience is supposed to be, it is supposed to be. And I can call forth, you know, peace and love that she feels supported and all of these things. But I can't, I can't go there. I can't try to predict how this, how this experience is going to be. I personally, else can. yes, somebody else can. Um, I personally, because of my very public past, don't think I can ever really, truly, I've had tons of readings, but just because everybody can easily Google me, I just think it's. I just don't really trust many people. I've probably trusted like two people who have ever read me have really been accurate. So I find that a little bit difficult. But going back to what you were saying about having to set boundaries, I'm having, that's where I'm at right now is I can feel the weight of what is happening at our borders in my body at all times. I can feel what's going on in the Middle East. I can feel what is happening in North Korea. I can feel the pain of like the world in me. So I'm working really hard right now on protecting myself, my energy. And I think it's really important for us to, I think it's really exciting when we start tapping into our intuition and we're getting really clear. I just had a couple of amazing things unfold where I was like, Oh, I knew that was going to happen. And then like two days later, it's like, you know, signed, sealed and delivered, you know, types of things. But yeah, I think that for anybody who's starting into this work, you might feel this calling that you have to go and do all of these things. You said, oh, heal the planet. You know, like you can't just jump in and do that. It's just not, it's not good. Well, you do, you heal the planet by, by healing yourself. And really there's only one psychic self-defense, which is to, in the most comfortable and the most sensory way to fully, as fully as you can, no one can do it hundred percent, be in you. And there's a process that we do as a group called embodiment. So it is first at just an awareness of where you are now, and that's always a mixed bag. And But as you fill yourself, as you get aware of simply what you're tasting, smelling, seeing, thinking, feeling, et cetera, et cetera, hearing, as you simply get aware and bring that all in, you already provide 
a psychic screen, so to speak. But then once you have a goal, when you do that, you suspend the illusion of separateness because it is an illusion. There's enough, there's enough research to show that we are so, so interconnected. But then you allow for the experience of what you want. You allow for it. You don't look for it. You don't create it. You don't think how it'll happen. You allow that same sensory experience. It is really interesting how it resets your clock. And that's one thing that we've done in a group during this pandemic, because in the beginning, everybody was freaking out, losing jobs, having problems in their relationships, going back to addiction, gaining 30 pounds, losing 30 pounds, doing whatever, whatever their self-harm was, they were devolving because we regress when we're in crisis. You know, our normal healthy defenses are challenged. But then what I noticed that the people who began to create goals, not from fear, but from desire, deal with reality while they were creating goals. So not I'm going to, you know, hold my breath and wait for Prince Charming or a job, but actually had a goal and also moved you engaging intuition and engaging energy toward that goal and did a lot of self-care for whatever their uh, self-harm style was. Those people now have new careers, new streams of income, have met people they're in love with, have, I mean, I've gotten into incredible shape during this time. I mean, you know, going out to a gym is one thing. My, my trainer, Anne-Marie, she's an animal. She calls me, she says, 1030, you've got to train every day, but I'm in the best shape of my life, you know? So I, I've noticed that people, and I wrote a book about this called Welcome to Your Crisis. People can Take crisis, and actually in crisis is the greatest opportunity because most of our energy is spent holding on to what is, how we feel about ourselves, our relationships, our stuff, our standing. And crisis, you know, fragments a lot of that. But all of a sudden, and this is where intuition comes in, you have a lot of open space you didn't have before. It's why you can, you know, not fall in love for 10 years and then you go on your first vacation in a decade and all of a sudden you meet the person of your dreams because you're not contained by your rigid structure anymore. It, it's changed. You've done, you know, you've done a geographical and now there are spaces for other things to come in. And that's really what healing, intuition and community allows. I mean, one of my dearest friends and I were both intuitives and every morning we talk to each other. And we basically just let each other know, this is what you're doing and this is what's coming up and don't you dare eat that and da da and, and it's very intrusive, but it's wonderful because we, we reconstitute from that regressive place of, wake, of just waking up and we, we reconstitute to meet the day's challenge, you know, head on and empowered. So I think that that's, that community reading and community healing is so important. And I've loved my, you know, I have a secret work as a healer because um, I, I don't charge for healing. And so, of course, I'm overwhelmed by requests. And, and I have trained so many people who are wonderful. But the wonderful thing about being a healer is, and being a doctor's daughter is you see the proof that energy works, that there can be something that is measured, whether it's a virus in the blood or a tumor or heartbreak, and that that energy works, that you can restructure reality. And then, however, the person has to maintain it. And habit is a big thing. You know, we are held together by our habits. And so it's really important that your targets address your goals and not your habits. And often they do address habits, you know, obsessively wanting to be in control of a relationship, obsessively wanting to be in control of your, how you're perceived, obsessively, you know, and all of those, that has nothing to do with, with growth. Even if you get what you want, I, you know, I, what I tell my students is you want to get what you want. Absolutely. You should, and you, you will, but by becoming who you want to be, by being comfortable, you know, in your own skin. And that, that is really, for me, the goal 
of healing and intuition and having the data, because we have so much data. You know, you said someone can Google you. They can Google you, but I bet, I mean, someone Googles me too. I always say, have, knock yourself out because you'll see, oh my God, she's the worst person on earth. Oh my God, she's the next Messiah. You'll see a million facts that aren't facts that are actually inaccurate. So I, I find my students give me amazing readings because sure, they probably Googled me. That's your generation. Mine doesn't. We don't Google. But sure, they probably Googled me. But they've gotten a, a thousand pieces of conflicting information. So really, they have to rely on their intuition. And when I tra train intuitives, I have them answer things with no information. So the question I've written down on this piece of paper, and 50 people will answer that question, usually for themselves. And they'll be so knocked out about how much they actually know about themselves, you know, about their relationships, about their future, you know, because we do know it's just we're taught to be so disempowered. And I, I, I really, my mantra is positive thinking is very dangerous because if, if a bullet's coming at you and you don't get in the way, that bullet's going to hit you. And negative thinking is very dangerous because if all you're seeing is the negative, that is all you're going to meet. Empowered, realistic thinking, which may be, this is really hard now, and I'm not enough now, and this isn't working now, but let me find my tools because I have a goal and I am perseverative, I am disciplined, and I am going to get there. And often you get there much more easily and much more quickly than you thought you were going to. Yeah, it's amazing when we clear those subconscious belief systems, when we first even acknowledge that they're there, when we have someone to kind of gently guide us to the things that we're believing about ourselves that are limiting. And then as a result, we get to set ourselves free and empower ourselves. And that's what I'm really passionate about doing is clearing away all of those subconscious belief systems, because I truly do believe that that is when you get to live your best life. That does not guarantee that hardships will not come your way. It just means that you'll be able to remain more neutral about all of the hardships that are happening right now. I mean, everyone, I, and definitely I can get bogged down by the news and what's happening in the world. But when I can zoom out and remain neutral and be in a state of like, I don't know what the course of action is here and I'm going to trust that I'm going to do everything in my power to help and then I have to let go and I think that that it just creates so much peace and freedom in our lives and I I wish more I wish more people had that see it's really interesting see I'm the psychic and you use the word trust and I never use the word trust I never use the word trust because I, I, really, uh, I really think that, that trust sometimes can be very tricky and you, you, need, you really need things that have, trust takes a lot of courage that I don't have. Let me put it this way. I love, I really love tools. And one of the things I know from 61 years of being on this earth is that whatever's thrown at me, it may be uncomfortable. It may even be hard heartbreaking. It may redefine me, but I am a creation and a creator, and I am an alchemist, as is every human being. So I will take that thing, and I will say both fuck you and thank you, and take it and use it. I will say, how do I use this now to be who I want to be and create what I want to create? Because the opportunities don't all feel good, but if you call something an opportunity, it becomes one. I also want to bring up, and I don't want to forget to do this. I have such bad a unmedicated ADD that I forget everything. I actually had a neuropsych about four years ago because I thought at my age, if I break a hip and I don't know what year it is, they're going to think dementia, not ADD. At 11, they would have thought ADD. So I had a full eval so I can just say, I don't know what year it is, but here's my eval. It's ADD. It's not dementia. But it's one of the places you can do a lot of great intuitive work is in your sleep. Because most of intuition during the day is scanning your environment. And if you've had trauma, it's often scanning your environment 
for the wrong things, for threats, for harm, for evidence of pain. But during the day, your intuition is a survival skill. It's supposed to keep you alive, find you food, uh, make sure that the bear doesn't eat you, uh, find you shelter. At night, however, if you're, if you're fortunate enough, as most of us are, to be sleeping in a safe place, you can actually engage intuition to work through things for you. So, for example, if you're building a company and you're not sure if you should partner, you can write that question down before you go to sleep. And when you wake up and... I, I'm really not a fan of dreams because dreams are emotional vomit, intuition, lots of other things. I was going to say, can you clarify? Because when I dream, it is scary. Yeah, well, you know, you are, you look like somebody who has a lot of courage about being in your pain. So, of course, when, you're, when your executive function turns off, your subconscious is committed to growth and it brings up a lot of heavy stuff. And by the way, if you're having a hard time now, I would actually instruct before bed your subconscious to make all of those wonderful drugs that your body makes to give you a good day every other day, not work so hard. Because sometimes working so hard can be debilitating and can debilitate you in a way that you aren't able to then do physically and mentally and intuitively the things that you need to do for yourself. So dreams are... I don't, I'm not a big dream fan because dreams are emotional vomit, what you ate last night, who you spoke to, your t- someone's telepathy with you. Oh. But, yeah. <laughs> but if you give yourself and write it down, once again, take it out of your messy head. If you give yourself a goal, a target, a question, don't forget remembering your dreams. But when you wake up, Notice where your attention is. And by attention, I mean your senses and your sixth sense of intellect and memory. So for example, um, I went to sleep. I didn't do my own homework. I didn't write it down. But I went to sleep with something last night that was really heavy on my heart. And I really didn't see how there was going to be a solution. And I just, I asked for help. I said, I, I, I want I want the, the solution. I, 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 want, I want the way through. And I woke up this morning and my attention went to uh, a philosopher. My attention went to an experience in my past. My attention went to a certain feeling. My attention then went without my even trying because I'd forgotten that I was doing that exercise. But as a morning exercise, I just write down where my attention is, where I wake up. And within four minutes, I had the most wonderful solution and it completely transformed my day and what I'm going to do now about this particular issue and transformed it. And and the the issue itself, I don't want to give too much away, but the issue itself, there was something from the outside world that confirmed that something real had happened. And that's the thing that we forget that people are always so shocked when they do an intensive or you know, something on, on uh, you know, some intuitive exercise, they're so shocked because they'll, they'll change their telepathy with someone. They'll learn how to do it properly. And three days later, this person who hasn't called in five years will have tracked them down, found their new number and called them. So much is happening in real time. And it's really important with, for oneself to, to run through a body check, which is what I call it in practical intuition, you know, what am I thinking, feeling, seeing, experiencing, knowing, and how do I shift that? You know, just looking at a different part of the room shifts your attention and, and what you're receiving. And how do I shift that? And, and just in shifting that, you empower yourself. And all of a sudden, who's in you? Who's yelling at you? What's coming up that you can prepare for so you don't have to deal with it? All of that all of a sudden has context because I do think that ease and joy is something that should always be a target and to get there. Cause I think it's, it's one of the things we do that's dangerous is we, you know, pain is patterned. There's a wonderful book called molecules of emotion and we are patterned and our brains are patterned to recreate the same dramatic pain in different ways over and over again. And it's so important to make real choices about our experience. So yeah, I'm going to sit in my shit for three minutes and then 
I'm going to get up and I'm going to do something positive, clean my sock drawer maybe, you know, work out, even if all I want to do is be here because I know this place, you know, this is comfortable. And that ability to make choices, human beings are alchemists. You can take any elements, any set of circumstances, and from those, you can create anything. And I love teaching. And I'm sure that if you run centers, you see people's dramatic changes. Also, what I love about teaching is it does remind me that you can go from incredible you know, loss and use that as the fuel for a really amazing life, great relationships, you know, the ease and the joy of just being, being present. And I have a baseball theory. I used to um, play softball because I had to. I'm anaerobic. If I could never move, I would never move. But I used to play baseball. When the ball was coming at me, I would close my eyes. I'd be the batter and I'd close my eyes. And of course, the ball would hit me. And, and I learned to open my eyes and hit the ball. And I was actually really great at hitting the ball. But I think we all in life kind of close our eyes in anticipation of what has happened and the fears we create from them. Whereas if we open our eyes and say, okay, I'm present. This is not comfortable. This is what I want. And I'm going to move forward, however, imperfectly and get where I'm going. And people do. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Laura. That was such a great interview. I know that my audience is going to have so many big takeaways. Where can everybody find you? LauraDay.com is my website. Uh, L-A-U-R-A-D-A-Y.com. Laura Day Intuit is where you can exchange readings and healings with professional intuitives and beginners. And I do a lot of free lives, especially during the pandemic. I'm doing a lot of places where people can ask questions, get a little bit of intuition, um, get a little bit of healing, or hopefully a lot of intuition and a lot of healing, and really connect, learn, learn to use the skill. Because how you train your intuition is you use it for someone else. Because then you can see you're right. It wasn't your imagination. You got accurate data about someone you never met. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you so much. This week's affirmation is... I follow the path of my intuition, knowing that it always guides me in a divine way. And so it is. If you enjoyed this week's episode, do me a favor, head over to the podcast app and make sure to subscribe to us, rate us and leave a review. We have new episodes every Monday and you can follow along with us on Instagram at Recovering From Reality or visit our website at recoveringfromreality.com. 